and we're back. Yeah. <laughs> Where did we leave off last week? Mm. Oh, well, actually, there was one thing that I know I was going to mention was that uh, oh, April the 7th. Market? Yeah, what? Interest no interest rate, rate hikes. Am I right, guys? Yeah. Right? We were talking a little bit on interest rates on the at the start of the week. We were saying that consumer confidence is is uh, reflecting the interest rates. It's good to see that we got another another pause in the in the game. No more hikes, at least for the year. Hopefully, <laughs> it's funny. It's just it's interesting that so many people hang their hopes on the interest rates and and where they go and you know, like I I feel like consumer confidence is tied really closely to that right now. And there's bigger factors at play in the market right now than just the interest rate going up or down by 0.25%. And everyone needs to remember, too, that when the interest rate, when the overnight rate um, gets adjusted by the Bank of Canada, that does not mean that the banks are going to change their interest rates by the same amount. Mm -hmm. Because we saw times in the past few months where the interest rates went up, uh, the prime rate and the overnight rate went up, and the the fixed rates from the banks actually came down. Yeah, and right? I expect we'll see something similar. To I that. think so. Yeah. I think so too. We are. We already are seeing a little bit of that. The the five year fixed have come down a few times over the last week or so. Right. Right. They were at as high as five point five nine. Yeah, I think. I think an insured at, mortgage can get four five nine now. Four point yeah, five right. nine. Uninsured yeah. is yeah. five five point oh nine. Yeah. Uh, last week uh, we were curious to how the market was going to change. Um, because it was just we were just coming out of Easter weekend I think and yeah. we hadn't seen the sales come in uh, for the week um, and the average sale price was showing that it was down a little bit compared to March but that we had predicted was most likely just because the sales data had not come in because most people were holding off till after Easter weekend looking at it now that was the case the average sale price is up um, by about $5,000 on average per home just since the last two weeks at the end of March so we'll keep a close eye on that and how things are changing. But as of right now, the average sale price seems to still be climbing. Again, we were at a low of about 476, 477,000. And now we're up to 575,000 in just a matter of three or four months. So definitely definitely seeing um, a better a better trend than we were seeing six months ago. Um, and I think more consumer confidence coming back. We were, we were saying earlier that I, I, there's a lot of mixed articles because we have clients that come to us saying they're hearing that the market's dropping when the absolute opposite is happening. And even Royal LePage um, national numbers have adjusted their predictions by raising the average price uh, prediction because things are changing a lot quicker mm -hmm. than they expected. Obviously that you had mentioned the interest rates staying the same is going to bring more consumer confidence at the same time we're going into the spring market they always predicted april would be around where we see ourselves coming out of um the consumer confidence being down i am starting to see that that growth now and i i feel like we're going to see that continuing into may and june um and then we'll see how the summer plays out but i i think everyone here would agree with that right yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's funny i mean like you mentioned the media right it's like i think uh the first at least for myself, like you, I recognize how much of a grasp the media has on just the general public's ideology right around COVID. Like that was when, you know, there was so much confusion as to what was going on in the economy with like healthcare, all of the above. And in reality, I feel like there was this kind of self-made panic that was happening. And I kind of feel like it almost translate to a similar situation in real estate where 
you visit YouTube, you visit Instagram, you visit your various media outlets and like you see like this like dumpster fire of uh, of of what's going on. And in reality, you know, there's there's really uh, inaccurate representation being made, I believe, in the media right now as to where oh, real estate is I headed. Feel like there at least in is. Well, like, I can I think see that's the problem. I see the negative like the negativity and why people are skeptical. I mean, it is a very volatile market. There is a lot going on in the world. I do think we are in a recession or still going into a recession. Um, I still think there's a lot of external things in the world that just are very negative. Um, and us as real estate agents, obviously, when we're saying things are good and growing, people have a hard time trusting us because we have a biased interest, right? But data is data. and Right. We have a biased interest, but the thing is we follow... We've the only thing we can really do is follow the data and yeah. follow where things may be trending, right? Mm -hmm. And we can take a whole bunch of external forces uh, into account as a as a something that might factor in, but it's really hard to quantify. Like, look at what's happening right now. There's there's I think they said like 135,000 members of a union in Canada right now are voting to strike. That includes. The CRA, which is mm. this is a bad time for the CRA to be striking because tax returns are in full effect and full force, like taxes are due in a couple weeks. Mm. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that we're going to see happening more and more as we feel inflationary pressures mount, right? Mm. Because if inflation's sitting around five or six percent, but most of these people are only making maybe one to two percent wage increases on average per year th that can only happen for so long mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you see these giant groups striking and these giant things happening because we can't be on this same track forever and that affects everything that's that's also going to affect real estate yeah. and that's that's another thing that kind of goes towards consumer confidence what's, being affected what's making me nervous for buyers uh, sellers it's going to be a good thing but obviously we were the last five years have been very very competitive in the windsor area and a lot of people wanted to chalk it up to inflation and issues along along inflation but we were seeing that comp uh, competition in 2017 18 19 prior to even the inflationary periods um, and what i'm worried about is even with all the negative articles and even with the say layoffs that could be coming or happening um, and even with uh, the negativity with the interest rates and the com consumer confidence we are seeing still crazy multiple offers and i mean there was 22 offers on a house in the 700,000s we're, we're we're seeing multiple multiple offers even up into the million dollar houses and that wasn't something we were seeing 3 or 4 months ago but what i'm nervous about is if we're already seeing that kind of competition coming back now, when there's still a chunk of consumer confidence that is being, you know, is deterred from the market, what happens when everybody does come back as a whole? And then we have more jobs because of the plants and a hospital and all these things. So if things like all the jobs that are coming aren't even here yet, and all the immigration that's coming isn't even here yet. And all the com consumer confidence from the buyers that have held off over the last year isn't even here yet. If we're seeing this kind of competition now and we have an issue of, of a how we have housing issues as far as supply, what's going to happen when all of that comes rushing back in in the coming years? I, I'm very worried that we're going to jump right back into the same issues we were running into a year ago. And that's uh, super, super competitive, overbidding, overbidding, overbidding. 
20 plus offers on every house um, unless something changes I, I think we're in for it I we're in a very hot spot as far as growth right now yeah. in our city's history and I think we're going to inevitably see growth from that and while everyone's like well it's gonna put a ceiling on your affordability due to the high interest rates but we're seeing those multiples still up in the high prices coming right. back already and the high the interest rates eventually will probably scale back a little bit yeah i think i don't think they're going to drop a whole lot from where they are right now i think no. they're going to try to hold them around where they are which yeah. is like a pretty healthy historical interest rate the four four point five to five percent is kind of where the banks like to see them um it's probably the best in terms of keeping people at bay a little bit because when they got down below two percent people were just it was free money basically for people right until they have to renew their mortgage at five years and then all of a sudden they feel that sting which for a lot of people hasn't happened yet because a lot of those interest rates were being given through covid Mm -hmm. and we haven't hit that five-year mark yet so that'll be a a different ball game but one thing we were talking about earlier today was just how it how difficult it can be for the average consumer in real estate to get a bead on what's happening in the market because things change so rapidly we went from this extreme high of like things flying off the shelves and prices going insanely out of control to interest rates going up and the market essentially correcting itself from those gains that we had gotten in the last two years so so prices came down to now we're ramping back up again and and multiple offers are coming back and bidding wars are coming back and it can be really difficult for a buyer to get a bead on well what what's happening what do i need Mm -hmm. to do like how do i bid in this kind of a you know is is the market down is it up is it you know we try to do our best to make sure that they understand but it can be tough for people to trust when things change so fast Mm -hmm. on a dime we're one year removed from prices shooting down 40 percent right right mm-hmm. exactly and, and, the, and people's there. people's mindsets don't just change on a dime mm-hmm. right like just as someone's starting to get used to the prices coming down 40 percent yeah we have to turn around and tell them well actually mm-hmm. prices are now up 15 yeah. percent yeah. again yeah. Right? We're, we're almost we're about a month off of being back to the average sale price we saw in june of 2022 which june was only three months away from our peak right yeah like we're almost at par to where we were three four months off of the peak we ever have seen um so and it's starting to get competitive and then if rates do scale back and then people start coming back to the table and then in, yeah. all the jobs and, and i just i'm worried we're going to be back to where we were in a very short period of time and this time um, money isn't cheap yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good point this time it's even more expensive to pay uh for the same the same houses it's just a supply and demand issue there's nothing we can right. do and there's way way too much demand coming to the city right now and we on in, in a city that already had a bit of a demand issue and i think the last time we had checked what was the average um inventory months of inventory was it like two it was three months at the start of the three week? months or- I think it was four. Yeah, it might have been four. I think it was four. Curious how much it's changed just in the last little bit since some of these houses have sold off. I think it's definitely, it's, you make a great point in terms of, you know, at the end of the day, like whether it's now or, or when, you know, the bulk of consumer confidence comes back. I think that's a good point that even right now you're seeing multiples and you still talk to people, you know, as realtors every single day that are like markets crashing, it's coming down. Like, 
you're not in a full zone of confidence. So it's a good point to say that, you know, what is it going to look like when Because it's already competitive yeah. now when the, like, look at, look at the months of inventory. We, we were going, we were having, a, you know, an oversupply compared to what we'd seen. And we're seeing the inventory drop. Now, April, this doesn't count because this is where we're currently on market. Um, but months of inventory right now sits at, Around oh, six, yeah, that wow. makes it. That's what we we're talking about. Six. So we're technically at an equilibrium right now. Then yeah. you could say back in July of last year we were at seven, and in June we were at five. So we're we're not far off of June of last year as far as months of inventory. And I think our what did we say the peak was? It was uh two or three. And it was two, it was two, and I think that I think that there was even a time when we had less than a month of inventory. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think there were months. And I don't know where the data. Is yeah, March for that. March was our lowest at two. Yeah, um, it was um, interesting. It, yeah, it's a very interesting thing. And stats stats can tell you a lot, but they can only really tell you so much as well, right? Yeah. Stats are are easily you well, know, manipulated if you only use one one graph. And Zach, the the lower priced market um, buyers, they're. There's almost multiples on every single home. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the only homes that are sitting are homes that just aren't good products in any market. Yeah. Um, and uh, when money isn't cheap anymore, those become even less... Desirable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's not even a thought process to put in the money that they require. Mm -hmm. um, and the land values aren't there where you can just buy it and knock it down. And sellers aren't at the point where they're willing to accept the price point of that. Do you think we're um, gonna see the return of more more flips and stuff happening now again though? Because like, if we're going back into my, a market my where flipping, the multiples are My coming, flipping investors are coming back because yeah. they're seeing, the, basically a flipper doesn't wanna flip when they know the market's dropping. Exactly. But as soon as they're seeing a little spark, and that confidence coming back and they inevitably think that the prices are going to be higher six months from now than mm -hmm. they are that's that's that opportunity so yeah um, but the problem is to get a decent flip um, you want to get it for an affordable price and the houses that are at those affordable prices are, are fairly competitive right now right. Mm -hmm. and by the time they sell it may not be flip worthy anymore so yeah. it's trying to find um, a little bit of a needle in a haystack for the flippers just because it is so competitive in those low price uh, well i was areas. just kind of playing off the fact that some of these products that are sitting out there on the market that are kind of just bullshit you know almost need to be knocked down houses that aren't desirable right now if it gets to a point where the market picks up enough that's when the investors and the flippers come in and they swoop mm -hmm. in and they snag those places yeah. because they 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 know they can realize a big ROI on their on their investment right like it, it they just will start to sell yeah those little i think boxes. a big proponent is going to be how the rental licensing pilot program impacts that because mm -hmm. a lot of those homes mm -hmm. aren't going to be a flip where you can turn into a very profitable rental property anymore um the money just it's not going to be there it's not going to make sense and eventually land values are going to get to the point where knocking the house down yeah seems to be the most valuable option and will be there yeah. um i mean you watch how cities turn into bigger cities that's what happens yeah. the old homes that we're constantly trying to repurpose um we understand that that's not their highest and best use anymore yeah. um and it becomes knocking them down building multifamily units and i think that's 
the path that this is headed towards, um, especially in those rental pilots. Do you think we need that too? Though, like yeah. we need more multifamily units and things because it's not just the the sale market that's struggling; it's the rental market too. Like people yeah. are, yeah, and more and more people are moving to it with no no real growth in inventory, right? right? And I think that's a great point that Zach made in terms of like I feel like here in Windsor is it's especially like to that point of you have so many houses even when you drive down riverside drive that are single family homes if you were to drive downtown vancouver you wouldn't be able to find a single family home until you drive what 15 20 minutes outside of the city until you really start to find that and it's already happening now where you see some of those triplexes that are just being torn down in in repurpose for just simply like land value how much can i place on this parcel of land in comparison to what's being used it's just uh it will be interesting to see how many people begin to come here and take advantage of that Um, i just think it's a matter of time and at least i hope that it's a matter of time until developers really start to you know kind of come in and, and start making an impact in, on the in, the, market. in the smaller cities right yeah. because like those things do happen in places like vancouver and toronto and the big yeah. big markets but we haven't really seen a degree of that happening in windsor yet yeah but i think you will but you don't have to go far so, to yeah. see it i mean two hours away in london yeah that's you true. know you saw exactly. that 10 15 years yeah. ago and you're continuing to see it even more now um i do think that that's the route that windsor is going to take i think it's what needs to happen we don't have enough housing we need to prioritize the best use of land and it's building up it's not building out um subdivisions um prioritize and help a certain class of people that the majority of people in windsor and the majority of people who live in canada just aren't in that class you have have to remember though that that it's a big domino effect too like when you build when you've got a brand new subdivision of all million dollar plus homes yes that's you know catering to a certain demographic only a very small demographic but those people will move from their current homes into those homes which puts their current home up for sale which people will move up into from their home which you know it's like a domino effect so if someone if an older person moves into a million dollar home you're going to get a 30 something or a 20 something person moving into their home i'm going to put a you're going to get a first time home buyer moving into that other home i want to throw an interesting topic out um that i've seen some discussions on online and baby boomers were the largest generation to own a home with 78 percent of baby boomers owning a home um it was a big working class uh, generation it was a heart, large population generation but w- even with the large population 78 percent of all baby boomers own their own home uh in millennials we only are at 42 uh, percent mm. and gen zers which i believe would be christian zach yeah gen z i think I think uh, Gen Z's, is it 2000 and up, I think, is Gen Z. I have no idea. No, after 97. So what are you? I'm pretty, I thought I was a millennial. Um, 90, 97. So 97 is yeah. a cutoff. So, so I'm, yeah, I'm so Gen, Z. Gen Z. What <laughs> is <Dang>. the... <laughs> and I'm an elder millennial. <laughs> all right. So according, according to ChatGPT, who knows all... Uh, millennials, I believe, are 1981 to 1997. Um, I do think there's some overlap sometimes, though. And then uh, Gen Z is 1997 to 2012 or 2015. Yeah, there is overlap. Yeah. So, anyways, um, 
Gen Z, as of right now, 10% of them own their own home, but it's still a younger generation. Right. Um, but a lot of this, they, they say, is due to more debt, uh, student student debt, uh, rising home prices, which makes sense. Um, the boomers had uh, a lot cheaper housing prices. Uh, there was a lot more development, I think, during those years, um, where right now I feel like we don't see as much development happening. Um, they're obviously, they had their interest rate issues, but we, we have the rising... Um, prices as well as the demand for areas like Windsor is a lot higher right now than it was maybe 20, 30 years ago. But the one thing I wanted to talk about is because people are living longer and healthier longer, they're holding their houses longer because Ooh. it's not, not everybody wants to just go into a retirement home anymore. Right. That's not, that's right. not what they want you want to do. So there's this theory and i don't know how much of it's true that we're actually going to have an oversupply issue in the future which is going to tank houses as the generation of the boomers continue to grow they're going to continue to 72 percent of them own their homes they're going to continue to own all these properties and they're going to hold on to them and at the end of that generation when they start to having to go into homes or pass away then we're going to have a surplus of houses because we have generations that either can't afford them or don't want the houses and they're passed down to their families i don't know how that's all going to play out mm. but there's there's like rumors that there's going to be a massive collapse in the future due to surplus of houses starting to hit the market due to the baby boomers finally selling off the properties because some there's a crazy stat of how many properties out there are owned by that generation right now what but I'm curious. I don't know. Like right now, there's like this supply issue, but there's a very large aging population that owns a lot of those houses, right? So yeah, will they all start you, to come available? I think if you still factor in that we're bringing in at least half a million people in immigration into this country per year. Easy. Easy easily, half a million. Like right? I'm pretty Good sure point. last year and was it, a million. And it's pro yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like I just think any of those like insights are going to be completely offset by the fact that our population influx is going to be so great over the next 20 years yeah. that you're not going to see an evening out or a collapse of of any sort of you know all of a sudden just a million houses hitting the market at once i, I just yeah. don't think you're going to see that it'd be nice it would be <laughs> okay so according to ChatGPT. ChatGPT, they're sourcing cmhc in 2018 the baby boomer generation um, largest share of homes in Canada, accounting for 42% of all, all homes are owned by that generation. That's and that's the largest percentage. 42% of all houses are owned by an aged aging population. It's a lot. And we the generations below that the the next biggest generation is the millennials, and the millennials aren't owning as many homes as the boomers. Um, it, I'm in a lot of a lot of millennials don't even want to own homes. They want to own condos. They they're not having children as much. Mm -hmm. um, although I think the millennials is the second biggest generation for having kids again. Maybe. But I don't know. Anyways, it's very interesting. I, I was watching an article in the in the U.S. because the U.S. has a lot more land, right? And a lot more houses. And they were basically saying that they're going to be trying to give houses away in, in 20 years from now just because they're going to have so many houses um, was like Canada is different because we're very limited on the usable land that we have for mm -hmm. major cities. So, like you said, with the amount of immigration, there may always be a demand in Canada. But when you're in an area like the U.S., where every single state is livable land, um, and you have all these homes—42% of homes say in the U.S. coming available. 
um, do they are they just going to be handing houses away and did the prices start to drop because like, there are so. recessions I just don't think so I just don't think you're going to see this massive I just I don't know because it's easy to look at that now when you can't see all the external forces that will that will come into effect over the next 10 to 15 years as well it's easy to look at that objectively and be like, well, this one stat tells me that this is going to happen. But what about all the other things that are going to affect that? Right? Yeah. 78% of baby boomers own... Oh, okay. Never mind. That's just, that's just the stat for the U.S. It's just interesting. And now you're seeing tiny homes coming into effect, which I don't think it's picking up as much no. as people thought it was. They no. thought they thought like the millennials were going to come in and all live in boxes and little right. tiny homes, but it's like it's like they're just going to live in condos. Yeah. Like that's where they want to live. They, that, that is a little box, but it's a little box that gives you a bunch of amenities. Yeah, yeah. Right? Windsor yeah. did and also just, land use. I mean, exactly. The yeah. cities and governments don't want people living in tiny homes. It requires almost. An unorganized township and I mean those are that's right very rare if that's not right. uh, it's like it's basically, basically it's coming to end an up end. being a like a little trailer park yeah that's a funny I, I know it's like a tiny home is like why are, we, <laughs> why are we sugarcoating this I'm like let's just call it what is like a fancy word for trailer park yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, so this is the first tiny home built in Essex Ontario Friday March 23rd 2023 so just a few weeks ago um, but then when I see that, if you didn't tell me that was a tiny home, I'd just be like, oh, it's part of a, like a mobile park. Right. Yeah, there's it's also like, like right. there's so many houses, like those little, like little war town time homes yes. that we have here in Windsor. Like That's what that is. That's, that's what I'm saying. What like, I mean, at you, the end yeah. of the day, what, what's Two bedroom, one bathroom, no here? basement, yeah. no second floor, like tiny, yeah. like 750 yeah. square foot home. It's the same thing. It's true. It also I, just isn't the best use of land putting yeah. a bunch of tiny homes is using a bunch of land that right. we need to create more housing because we don't have enough yeah. and again yes. the only way that's is to make it more dense that's yeah. true if you go if you yes. go and watch like hgtv they're literally making tiny homes out of like shipping containers this this house here it's just a house built. it, it house. looks like a house, a house. <laughs> it looks like a house in central windsor that was it built does. in the in, it was refurbished that was refurbished yeah, yeah. this is just a house that's tiny a it's <laughs> tiny. It's tiny. <laughs> Condos, like cities, are going to. We're like, seeing. Like, didn't Krista give us a like a crazy statistic on like where she like she's from Pickering. Peter P Pickering Pickering, yep. um, just outside of Toronto, and like they had like they had like sixty five or seventy five new condo development starts happening within the next like five years. Now you got me curious. Like in Pickering. Yeah, I just feel like it. I truly feel like it's it's really just a matter of time. I just feel like you go to any major city with a with a demand issue, and you can't find very many like spots in the city where you don't see a condo going up. Right. Just, yeah. And like yeah. you're already kind of starting to see the start here in Windsor, like with the amount of ones that are going up. But I feel like it hasn't quite reached that that peak. And I think part of the reason why is because people are still kind of funneling down from the GTA. And I always kind of tell people that, that it, to me personally, I just feel like, you know, the, the like Toronto, greater Toronto area, I just feel like people are just kind of coming more and more south. And it's only a matter of time until kind of Windsor, you know, reaches the bottom of that funnel. And, and we well, kind of start to and see similar. What, what's happening the more and the, the we've talked about this before, but the pandemic accelerated remote working to the point where a lot of yeah. businesses are going, OK, well, you know, we can save a lot of money if we do you know, a lot of our positions as remote positions. And as soon as that catches on any more than it already has, people can live anywhere they want. So yeah. this is so why are they not going to go move to a city where the, the cost of living is half? Yeah. 
right? they can have a yard that and they can, can have a yard and they can and have, have amenities. So I know I know the people yeah, listening or watching can't see what we're seeing on the screen here, but this is new condos or newly built condo starts in Windsor over the last twenty years, and you can see in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty one. Uh, we were like doubling previous year's uh, condo starts like and this is not reflecting all of them because a lot of them happen off market this is just what was recorded on the actual markets database but besides the year of 2016 which seemed to have so a lot this of would starts be individual listings right this like is listings, condo list, this listings, is listed right? condo listings as new or to be built right so, so if, these would be but individual units Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like within, so, so this, yeah. it's not like there's 60 new condo buildings. No. No. It's no, that no, there's no. 60 new units. Yeah, that and that's created, all that right? was recorded. Right. But I'm just using this to kind of get a grasp on compared to other years. But like, if you look back in 2008, 9, 10, obviously nobody was building condos. There was right. just no demand. Um, it had picked up. But even if you probably average all this out, besides 2016, the last two years were like doubling previous yeah. year numbers. Yeah. So a lot more condo um, new builds happening. Um, I bet you if I pulled this up on housing, um, we'd probably see a decrease. We were doing really well, it seemed, in like 2018, 19, 20 for new home construction. And like Lakeshore went to a halt. I felt like Windsor ran out of space um, in the east end there. They just stopped building. LaSalle has probably been the most active. Um, There's a lot going up in yeah. LaSalle right now. Like I, I got a friend of mine who lives out there. And it's like every single time I go out there, it's like, something new that's popping up whether it be a condo or a, a new like residential development they're expanding out there like crazy i just think the flaw there it is right now um is when you go towards the gta region and you look at the condos that are being built um it's a stark difference from what you see in windsor yeah. um in terms of windsor it kind of seems like there's two categories a high-rise condo one two bedroom um or a like a three-story building. Uh, yeah, three-story building or a single-family home. Like those are your options if you're a family. You don't really have that middle road, which when you go to GTA, you have these row buildings yes. that have like three or four-bedroom condos um, that are more built for families. And so now you have a choice in Windsor to, if you want something that's big enough for a family, you either rent or you own a home. And really, there's no three-bedroom condos in Windsor. It's it's no, almost not, there's very few. There's very few. Yeah, yeah. and if that. there is, we their values are we, much higher than they should be. Exactly right. what I thought. Like we peaked for between like obviously we started coming up 2016, between 2017 and 2021 we had peaked on like new housing starts. Um, sorry, not in 2020. Right? Yeah, 2021 yeah. we started, which was a huge year yeah. for Windsor yeah. and even know how big of a year it was it actually wasn't a big year for housing yeah, but do you remember what was before. happening during that time oh. material costs like oh and COVID, oh, and COVID like, lockdowns and shutdowns yeah, oh shutdowns. yeah 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 right oh and then supply chain issues right, right. yeah yeah so and lumber then, lumber values like quadrupled and then all the materials for building homes so like and this I, is I remember talking to builders uh on the phone and and they would they were just not interested in even building single family homes mm -hmm. at all anymore because mm -hmm. they were like this this is just not profitable for us we can't well that's interesting then it. because we were seeing obviously clear growth in the new building sector and it peaked in 2020 huge which is crazy it peaked in 2020 because that was the pandemic year there must have been 
tons of stuff already signing stuff already contract in the, in, yeah and then obviously supply chain issues dropped that in 2021 which 2021 was windsor's best year in real estate and then yet it was not not for new build and then obviously last year with interest rates um and how much builders had paid for the land yeah. and then the cost of materials yeah. i i'm not surprised to see that drop curious to where it ends up this year but um I wonder how long it's going to take for those new housing starts to come back because that's what we need is the new housing. But then there's all this red tape that they're trying to get around. And now we have supply chain. Uh, well, we had supply chain issues. I'm not sure how bad it is for some of those materials anymore. Um, but with the rising interest rates, I wonder how long that's going to bog down the new build construction mm. just because the houses that are being built and the amount of money they spent on that land, they're going to have to make their money back, right? So I wonder how long it's gonna take before consumer confidence and demand is high enough to be able to continue to sell those homes at the price they need to be sold. I don't know that we can even measure that like time frame. Like how do we even know when consumer confidence really will? We don't even have data like that for this no. area because there just never was that kind of demand in this area in the past. It's kind of a wait and see. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, very curious to how the next five years are going to be i think they're going to be very big for our region i think they're going to be big i think it'll be interesting to see what happens to a lot of the people that spent big bucks in 2020 2021 and 2022 what happens when their mortgages renew yeah and where the interest rates are when they renew yeah because even going from two percent to like five percent so much on a you know million dollar home is a big jump yeah, like friends of huge. mine live in uh um burlington uh just outside of toronto Hate that, and yeah so expensive yeah so expensive and they bought they bought right around the time that uh my wife and i bought here so i think 2018 2017 2018 is when they bought and they're mortgage just renewed so it must have been 2018 their mortgage just renewed at the beginning of this year and their mortgage payments went up fourteen hundred dollars a month yeah hmm. like, i think like i think you said it already too like i think we touched on it that like it like you haven't really seen you haven't seen the basically the fallout of these interest rates yet because no one's hit their renewal so like when they yeah, right variable mortgages maybe yes maybe yeah. you've seen people that were on variable take a hit um their amortization got stretched and mm -hmm. and they hit their you know trigger rate and then all of a sudden their mortgage payments go up but you haven't seen mm -hmm. the people who got almost free money yeah yeah. have to renew yet you haven't seen that yet and that'll be an interesting time when we really hit 2025 i had my ish that's when it's really going to be interesting to see what happens to people who have i had my 2018 homes. mortgage just come up for renewal yeah and it increased a thousand dollars a month that's what that's thousand thousand exa dollars a month exactly and i it was a little higher because i went with a one year yeah and mortgage rates weren't might weren't be even at their weren't at their bottom in 2018. No, they weren't. Like my, I got three. I got three point three. It was two point five. Right, and you were two point five. But there are people out there that got like one point eight. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. That's it. Wasn't real. That it was wasn't just... real. But it, but for but for those people, it's real for these five years. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and it's not. It's going to be real, real my, when they hit the end of their. My five Shawnee years. house yeah. was one point seven. 1.7 1.7 like that house my mortgage was only 1600 a month yeah. for that house that wasn't bad 
No, no. Um, I could have, <laughs> you know, I could have held on to that for a few years if I absolutely yep. wanted to. Yep. Um, and then I took uh, on Chilver a, a variable in May. Oh yeah. In May, oh. I took a variable on. <laughs> yeah, that one. Uh, that one's over. So yeah, that'll 3, be a, that'll be that'll affect things a little bit. I think you're going to see a, a certain proportion of people having to actually make a decision and sell and downsize their homes. I think you will. Yeah. I think there's going to be people who had no business being in a million dollar home in, you yeah. know, June of 2021 that got it for that got the interest rate so low that they could they could just stretch and afford those payments. Yeah. And then those people in, you know, 2026 or 2025 are going to renew and they're going to yeah. go, "I can't afford an extra $2,000 a month on my mortgage." Yeah. I can't. It's not realistic for it, just they can't. anybody. Just, yeah. No, no. No. Or their amortization is going to increase five years because the banks, the banks are dumb. They don't want people defaulting on their mortgages. They don't want people having right. being forced to sell. So they're going to try and figure out ways in which they can they, make they, it. They as, can only stretch to thirty, right? Is that yeah. as far as they can they go can, in Canada? They can go an extra five years. So when they right. renew, they can take if they have a twenty year remaining, they can add an extra five years. And I don't know if they can add an extra ten. Yeah, um, that's probably either. a question for a mortgage professional. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure they could. Actually actually probably because yeah be, because like then the bank's still just only holding a 30-year yeah mortgage at that point right mm -hmm. so if you were if you hit your 20 um, years left on your mortgage i think they could stretch your amortization yeah. it would be like refinancing your home basically mm -hmm. wouldn't it people are going to have 30 to 40 year mortgages in terms well, of the u.s is already starting yeah like that the u.s yep. has already started it yeah it started this month or last month um it's the only way google it well, it, it's the only way when the prices get to where they are now. And, yeah. and I mean, but I is was, it a good thing? I was watching a video on like how much that would be like somebody buying a house for like 400, 500,000. It was like over 1 million in interest by the end of the term. Yeah. So the banks don't mind. No, the banks don't crazy. mind at all. No the problem at all. No problem at all. <laughs> Pass it down to your kids. Your kids will pay us the interest as well. They'll love it. Right? <laughs> banks haven't minded for a while. Saddle your children with your debt for yeah. the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, but if it, if at the same time, if it helps get people into homes, I mean the number one, you know, necessity of life that we need aside from food and water is shelter. Yep. And like we've got we've got people being almost forced to live on the street at this point that shouldn't really be having to live on the street. Yeah. <laughs> right. Rent rates are crazy. Yeah, housing rates, but costs are even crazier. Like, where new, does it? New, where do we draw new, the line? Well, new, all these new rental laws coming in, which just making things harder. It's it's a tricky time right now. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, all our baby boomers are just sipping back on Kool Aid, <laughs> hanging out in their houses. That they we're only we're only twelve, thirteen years removed. Um, sorry, a little bit longer than that from the bank giving out predatory loans to people who can't really afford mortgages, roping them to people who are in good mortgages, um, and then banking on those mortgages failing and betting on that. Banks are not dumb. They're going to figure things no. out. Um, they're going to make sure that they get paid and get their money. Right. Um, and at the end of the day, when people go sell, we still have a supply and demand issue. There's still going to be buyers out there. Yeah. Um, it's not going to tank values when you have a million people coming in every year. There's a scary thing that I read the other day um, that's happening to a very small subset of people, but like private lending became quite a thing. 
I think during this craziness that was happening in the last couple of years, people that weren't getting approved by the banks going to private lenders. Mm-hmm. And these private lenders are refusing to renew a lot of people's mortgages because the numbers just don't work in the in the lender's favor anymore, right? And they and they can't like it it pushes their it pushes their debt service ratio so high that the lender's like, "No, I don't I don't want I'm not going to lend you the money on that." Like, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then those people who already couldn't get a loan at the bank to begin with, they can't go to a bank now and mm-hmm. so now they're stuck in this place where they can't get a renewal. What do you do? They they have to sell. They have to sell. And they might have to sell at a loss too. Yeah. Especially right? if you bought in the last Exactly. Well now it's only well now yep. Yep. it's a loss if you only bought in the months of March, yeah. April, May. Basically. Like, yeah. so there's only like a three month window now, it's shrinking. So yeah. really if you've bought in those three months, you just can't sell right now. But if you bought in June or July, I think you're back to being okay. Yeah. Well, that's why I think there's, only, there's not a, very a big small worry. Window. Like mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, when all these mortgages default, it's going to be bad. Well, the average sale price is going to be at a point where, oh, great, you can't afford your mortgage. Here's several hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. for selling your home. People are going to be fine. They're going to, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to rent out homes and stuff like that. Sure, they won't be able to own a home and have that equity building anymore, but with the amount of equity they've gotten in the last few years, um, I don't think the banks are worried about it at all. Um, I don't think it's going to impact the market as much as people think because just of where values have gone. Um, And I don't see it tanking the market with the amount of buyers we have. Now, obviously, no one has a crystal ball, right? Yeah. I, I do actually. I just you, oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. I just, oh, shit. Amazon purchase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Eye of Sauron. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna throw out a couple little fun questions here to end it, um, just so we can give Deb some fun things to listen to rather than <laughs> us just going on about interest rates and mortgages and blah 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 blah. Um, all right, fun one here is the psychology of color in home design. I like this one because for the longest time when grays were coming in as like the most popular color and everyone just painted their houses gray and white, which is still a common I thing. Say. I mean, we're sitting in a gray room with white trim right now, but literally people were buying houses, painting the walls gray and selling a house for like 50000 more. And I was mm-hmm. like, they need to start selling gray paint at Home Depot mm-hmm. for like $30,000 a can. Because yeah. it's it, it adds so much value. But regardless if it's gray or not, it just shows you the power of what changing wallpaper in a color or whatever can do to a home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know they're starting to come in with more, there's a little bit more color coming back. Um, as you've seen in like kitchens, you're seeing green kitchens now or uh, multi-level different color kitchens. Are you guys seeing any other trends or do you feel like the grays and whites still dominate no, the market? I think, I think you're seeing that like really light, almost like honey oak type mm. thing, color coming back in houses now with like the, floor, the flooring is like that really light, almost like cedar color. Yeah. Wood is coming back in now. Or even white walls rather than gray. Um, They're like going to the most yeah, white, extreme. They're like, white screw walls. gray. I'm just going white on white on white. Yeah, on white. it's interesting because like like look back over decades of time and see like when you can pinpoint like 70s and 80s and things because of the colors and the craziness and it looks like people were using like burnt oranges and reds and greens yeah and reds and greens and shag carpet that was in like puke green color and stuff like that i think the reason things gravitated to white and gray and shade different shades of that is because it's so 
timeless almost in a sense that you can stretch that for longer than just a decade. Well, well, like that, gray walls aren't ever going to, you're never going to be like, oh God, this is offensive to my senses. Mm-hmm. Like a puke green shag carpet becomes offensive to your senses when that trend ends. Mm-hmm. Right? Like well, it just I also, does. I also find if you paint a room green and it goes out of style or something changes, you have to repaint that's the room. That's what I mean. Yeah, but if you have a room that's white, you may just have to change the pops of color that, that you're, that's dec- right. you're decorating that's with right. that space, exactly. right? So I can see, and I also find when it comes to listing a home, on the eyes when you're looking at a photo, a lighter colored room, lighter colored walls. 100%. Uh, it makes the rooms feel bigger, brighter. Yep. Um, so I, I think I... I would say the psychology of color, the lighter colors do work. So like if I have a house that's got pink rooms, dark blue rooms, things like that, it does make a huge difference when you paint those rooms a light color for the sale of the home. Like if I were to list a home painted dark blue and then three weeks later sell the same home painted lights, whites, and grays, I really do think there would be a difference on the sale price. Just there the 100% way it's yeah. yeah, because it, it Because when you're buying a home, a lot of it has to do with the way you feel when you walk into the home. Like you can look at pictures all day long, which and, and that's gonna affect how many people come see your your mm-hmm. property when you've listed it. Cause if they look the look of the pictures, they're gonna come, right? But when you walk in a home, it's how it feels to you when you're in there. And if you walk in there and it's dark and it's mm-hmm. not appealing to your senses, even if the place might be the perfect space for you, mm-hmm. you might be like, oh this feels But nothing's changed but the feel, color. Nothing's changed but the color. But that's, same with same with like a garden yeah. with adding mulch, like nothing's changed to the garden, but just adding that layer of mulch under the garden right. that costs of you know whatever for a few bags of mulch maybe like a hundred bucks you change can... changes that perception. Yeah. And then yeah. the, and lastly, staging. It's unbelievable how staging doesn't even come with the house, right? But just to use it, like the psychology and the way it shows off the space, and if it's decorated in, in the proper way. It can change the value of the home, even though it hasn't uh, altered the home at all. Right. If you have an exact same home that's got old furniture and the exact same home that's got updated staged furniture, the staged furniture home is going to sell for more, but the house is the exact same. It's just weird how that psychology does work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like uh, even those white, those grays, they all it all just helps to depersonalize the space, right? That's, that's exactly what we're saying, like just in terms of the psychology. Like when you walk into a house or you look at pictures and photos, like if you have those bright vibrant colors that are unique to what you like it's going to be harder for someone else to place themselves in that home just because it's not what they like so i think at the end of the day yeah you're right like covering up the things that you loved about your home like although you love them that's when it was your house now that it's your time to go help depersonalize the space help your buyer put themselves in the house that you're selling and it's just going to move even quicker. It's like, a, it's like a blank canvas. If I go into yeah. a home that's covered in dark walls and all that, the first thing I think is, okay, I got a project. I have to yeah, paint. You have exactly. to do it. But if it's all light yeah. and bright, you're like, okay, I can work with this for now yes. because yeah. I can stage and decorate. That's why like it. green and blue kitchens and stuff. I, don't get me wrong. I love the look of them. I think the two-tone kitchens but and you stuff may that regret are out it there. Five, but you years. may regret having yeah. a, like a dark green kitchen cabinet in even just a few years because yeah. you're basically taking your subset of buyers that might look at your house probably down by half people are going to come in and be like i don't want to have to paint every kitchen cabinet now yeah woods and whites i mean you can go back to any generation and era and you'll find woods and white houses that are still up Mm -hmm. holding up today but if if it has that shag carpet it's not right yeah yeah it's it's a it's a funny game like mentally when you look at yeah Mm -hmm. um 
I'm going to end it here today. Uh, I think we've, we're about all, just under an hour in, so we'll be back next week. Um, I mean, I, I, we were going to... We were going to maybe do a Q&A. And, yeah, I think Q&A uh, is a good idea. So. And we can always do just common questions that are asked to us. But if there's anybody that actually just wants a certain topic discussed or any questions answered, um, please DM us, send us a message, an email, a text, and uh, we'll throw a shout out in our next podcast. Make sure we get it answered. Go into a, like a deep dive discussion on what that is. We're always looking for other things to discuss. So um, let us know. Thanks.